Dear fellow redeemed, today our readings, especially our gospel reading, focus on the last judgment. And the only words about the last judgment there and Christ's return on judgment day are actually verses 28 through 30 of our gospel reading. When Jesus talks about, talks about raising the dead at the end of time. And previously, of course, he does talk about him being the judge. And that's definitely part of it. But I think the question that we have to consider before we even look at the details of Judgment Day are why. Why would we set and choose a particular day on our church calendar to talk about Christ returning in judgment? Why would we choose a particular Sunday to talk about Jesus returning on the clouds of heaven with all the angels and all the, the believers who have departed ahead of us? Why would we take some time to mentally pause and envision that day with the trumpets sounding from east to west and everybody hears it and the graves splitting open as bodies and souls are reunited to stand before Jesus Christ in judgment? Why would we take a time, take some time to talk about that when we don't even know when it's coming? And it's simple enough to put out of our mind, especially when there are more pressing and seemingly more urgent concerns. More pressing and more urgent concerns maybe of a, of a, of a personal matter, maybe of a congregational matter. Maybe there are concerns and worries on your own mind um, about health, or about the direction that our country happens to be going, or fill in the blank, whatever it is the media says that we have to worry about today, surges to the front of our minds. And some of those concerns are very real concerns. So why? Why would we take some time to set those concerns aside and say, you know what, when Jesus returns, what a joyful day. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Because it's been 2,000 years. And life continues to go on just as it always had. People marrying and being given in marriage, eating and drinking, and going on with their everyday life. That's precisely why. Because Jesus saw fit to not tell us when the Day of Judgment would be. Our verse of the day today, our theme verse, was from Matthew chapter 24. And if you read Matthew chapter 24, you see that the disciples asked Jesus, when is this going to be? And during that time before his crucifixion, during what we call, um, if you were at our family Bible hour last Sunday or our Friday afternoon Bible class this past Friday, when Jesus is in that state of humiliation, he purposely chose to not know when the day would be. And so the disciples said, Jesus, if this is such an important day, if this is such a groundbreaking and pivotal day in all of history, when is it going to be? And he said that the angels in heaven do not know, the Son of Man does not know, but only God the Father. 
because during that period of his life, he purposely chose to not know. And he didn't tell us. So why would we take some time to consider Judgment Day, the last day, especially when Jesus didn't even tell us? Well, that's exactly why. Because it would be very simple to go along through life like the first of three bricklayers. This is one of those you know, kind of colloquial parables that has floated around in a couple of different, couple of different cultures, I suppose. Three bricklayers working side by side. And you ask the first one, and, um, and he says, you ask him, what are you doing? What is it that you're doing? He said, well, I'm just laying bricks. And you ask the second bricklayer, what are you doing? And he's doing the exact same job, but he says, I'm building a house. And you ask the third bricklayer, what is he doing? And he says, don't you see? I'm building the house of God as they were working on a church. That first bricklayer had a job, laying bricks. That second bricklayer had a career building houses. The third bricklayer had a purpose, a purpose that was greater than simply laying bricks and building buildings. And the question that we have to consider, because Jesus says we need to consider the last day, the question that is really behind the question, is it possible that you and I fall into seeing church and ministry as the first bricklayer? What are we doing right now? I'm at church. Because I come to church, because that's, that's what we do. Maybe the second bricklayer, what are you doing right now? I'm, I'm being fed by the Word of God. I'm worshiping together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Or the third bricklayer, what are you doing? Jesus has given me the time of my life to participate in his ministry, his rescue mission, because the day is coming soon. And if we don't talk about Judgment Day, and if we don't see the purpose of Jesus telling us about Judgment Day, then it would be quite simple to say, well, what is the purpose of gathering together for worship? It's merely the first option, as though church is the activity. This is what I come for. Or perhaps even, even the second option that connects the spiritual reality to that activity, that I'm being fed by the Word of God. But as far as that, that third option, that Jesus has built me into his household of faith, and that through this household of faith, he wants to proclaim his Word, so that even the, the time, the effort, the words that you and I speak can be something that our God wants to use in order to snatch somebody from the power of the devil and to save somebody for that day of judgment. It's the difference between an activity, an activity with a spiritual purpose, 
and a spiritual purpose with an eternal reality. So why do we talk about Judgment Day? Because the way Malachi puts it, if you look at that first reading from Malachi, the way Malachi puts it is that when Jesus comes back, there's just going to be two, two separate divisions, two groups, two reactions. The first, those who had rejected the Lord, and those who, by their lives, had shown that they had continued to reject him. Terror and death. And the second, the second, those who heard the word of the Lord and Jesus had been active in their lives to maintain that faith, joy, and healing. And that's an uncomfortable truth. At least it is for me. Uncomfortable not because it's false, but uncomfortable because my sinful flesh wants to say, the day isn't here yet. And I don't have to worry about it because I've got time. It's an uncomfortable truth because if what Jesus says here in John 5 and what Malachi writes in Malachi 4 is true, and they are, then there is no greater purpose in this life than that of being built into the household of faith. No greater purpose in this life than being one through whom Jesus works in order to bring another soul into his church. So I guess what we really have to ask, as we talk about Judgment Day and as we consider the truth of Judgment Day, it confronts us with, with what our sinful flesh wants. Our sinful flesh wants to say it's not coming and surely there's some sort of middle ground and it's not, it's not joy and healing or, or death and destruction. There's got to be something in the middle. Our sinful flesh wants to push off the conversation and push back the priorities and explain away with the idea that I'll get to that tomorrow, next week, next month. But the reality of Judgment Day confronts us. Confronts us with the judgment of Christ as believer, non-believer, and no middle ground. The reality of Judgment Day confronts us with the truth that if this really is the greatest purpose that our Lord could have, that of sending his Son for the redemption of sinners and constructing a church that would stand forever and entrusting this church with the Word of God as the very tool that he uses to build people into the household of faith and the very tool that he uses to gather people together, then is it possible that compared to that mindset and that priority, that our own personal priorities and schedules would put us with the first bricklayer. Maybe the second. Because it's easy to put off till tomorrow, 
I'm a, I'm a believer. Why would I need to open my Bible today? I just heard the Bible on Sunday. Maybe I'll get to that next week. It's easy to put off till tomorrow or next week. Um, I, know that, I know that my loved one hasn't gathered together at the Lord's table with us in a long time. But that's an uncomfortable conversation for me, and I'd rather not think about that, and I'd rather not disrupt and rock the boat. And it's easy to put off till tomorrow to say, well, you know, my attendance at church is, is important, I get that, but, you know, they're only, in, they're only in soccer for these brief four years. And I work so hard during the week that I only get so much time to kick back and relax. And even though, even though we see Jesus talking about his work and devoting his life to that work of saving sinners and building us together into a church that proclaims his name and placing us here in, I've got to tell you, this incredible, incredible place just at the edge of Toledo where people, people talk about church. I guarantee it. You go to Bob Evans after church today or you go to Kroger and you'll stand in line and you'll see, see people who, who just came from church and they're running a few errands or having brunch before going home. And, and if you just said, where'd you go to church today? Or where do you attend? They'll strike up a conversation with you. They'll talk about what they heard that day. I don't know anywhere else. Well, I, I haven't lived and served anywhere else where that sort of opportunity is so prevalent. And yet, and yet, is it possible that we see life and the Lord's work here like the first bricklayer? I'm just laying bricks. It's a job. I'm just going to church because it's my routine. Maybe the second bricklayer where he sees some immediate purpose and immediate benefit, I'm laying bricks to finish this building, he has a career instead of a job. I got, I'm coming to, to join with my fellow believers to be fed by the Word of God and to encourage one another with the songs that we sing and Judgment Day reframes all of that. To say, dear Christian, Jesus wants us to have the attitude of that, that third bricklayer. That yes, he has a job. Yes, he has a career. But he has a purpose. That the bricks he laid would be part of the house of God. Where people would gather together where children would be baptized, where the believers would gather together to receive their forgiveness again, where, where lives would be changed, and not even necessarily in, in making life here on earth easier or better, but life would be changed because through that word which is shared, through the sacrament distributed, Jesus would make an eternal change so that when he returns, like, like a locomotive coming down the tracks, when he returns with all of his judgment and all of his fury and all of the healing 
that even one more person would be on the right side, standing and lifting up their heads and rejoicing, rather than on the left side, running and saying to the hills and to the mountains, cover us and fall on us. Who can run from the day of the Son of Man's judgment? Do we see the difference? Because the only way, the only way that that sort of difference is going to be planted in our hearts is if we first see Christ's commitment to that exact same thing. That, yeah, the Son of God, He could have done something else for that period of time. He didn't have to become a human, but He wanted to. He chose to become a human just like you and me, except without sin. He placed Himself under God's law. He laid down his life there on the cross, suffering the sort of hell and punishment that you will never have to experience because he rose from the dead. That when we gather here, we're not just doing what we do on every Sunday morning worship, gathering for the Lord's Supper, but we're gathering here to be strengthened with that same body and blood of Jesus broken and shed for you so that how can you stand on that great day clothed in the blood of Jesus so that we hold Jesus to his word that he promises to distribute blessing through his sacraments in a very real and tangible way through water on the head and a taste on the tongue. He continues to build his church and he says to you and to me, you've got a place. And you don't have a job. You don't have a career. You've got a purpose. You've got a purpose of proclaiming his praises so that he can save one more. That's why today and the next three weeks we're talking about this sort of thing. Hopefully you saw this on the way in. Otherwise you'll see it on the way out. Feel free to grab it now. At the very top it says communication. And we need to, the reason I bring it up now is because we need to talk about some of these things in a practical way. That the way we communicate within a congregation, the way we talk with one another, and, and stay on the same page with what's coming up next and what needs to be done, that's not just for the sake of good order, but it's got the greater purpose of giving you a chance to be involved in Jesus' rescue mission. And that might be as simple as, um, as you know, bringing, bringing cookies and snacks for family Bible hour. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different opportunities here. Anyway, communication is kind of the topic that we need to talk about a little bit today. Um, and we'll start at the top. That if you want the big picture, every month um, I create a pastor's report that is between four and nine pages long. <laughs> My apologies to the printer. Um, and... And through that report, you can read through it, and it's got a lot of the administrative details on, on you know, visits and membership transfers and that sort of a thing. But then the rest of it is hopefully talking about ministry that we could accomplish together and plans for what could the future look like and ways that you could be involved. And so that's the, the big picture, what I call the big picture, the overarching view. But then each week... We print a bulletin, and then kind of the weekly or the more granular details that if the pastor's report is like the airplane flying over, the 
announcements there in your bulletin are like walking around on the ground and inspecting all the details. And so today you've got um, a little bit about our family Bible hour, our annual meeting, um, some of the upcoming things in the next two to three weeks. That's the second one. The third, the third part where we talk about distribution, that those are the really, really the only two communication vehicles that we use. And you can find it online. You can find it in the weekly email or in our Facebook group or at our Facebook page. Or, fourth option, you can get it in a paper form. If you say, well, Pastor Hagen, I'm not very, I'm not very computer savvy. That's not really my thing. Um, but I would like a paper copy because I like to know what's, what's going on and what's coming up next. Then, by all means, let me know and I'll print you one. I'm not going to print like 100 copies because they're nine pages each. <laughs> but I don't want you to feel left out because each person here has a place. And then finally, uh, the, last, the last one, number five on that, um, talk about a phone tree. Recognizing that we want to, in order to be as efficient as possible, I suppose, with our communica communications, um, we'll do as much as we can online. But there are people who don't use the internet and people who don't use their computers. So in the next you know, month or two, we'll be setting up a phone tree, especially for communicating with those members and the other you know, prospects that, that don't use a computer. So that every week they get a call from somebody else in the congregation to say, you know, here are the, the top two or three things that are coming up. Here are the two or three things that, that you can pray about. And then finally, at the bottom, what about pastor? Um, I, I, I didn't know it wasn't a thing. <laughs> but did you realize there are churches in this, in this world where the pastor doesn't give out his phone number? I didn't realize that until about two weeks ago. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, PastorHagen at iCloud.com, or give me a call, 419-262-8280. Um, and the only caveat that I would add there is if you call on Monday, you'll get a voicemail. Um, but if it's an emergency, say, Pastor Hagen, this is an emergency, you know, um, I just got admitted to the hospital after an accident, or whatever the case may be, I'll, I'll read my voicemail and I'll get back to you. Um, but typically Monday is a day that I take to specifically be with my family. Why does this matter? Why would Pastor Hagen just take six minutes of a sermon to walk us through something we can read ourselves? Because Judgment Day is coming. And there are people that you and I know and people that you and I don't know who need to know Jesus. And if we are to make profitable use of the time that he has given to us together, then we need to talk about some of these details to say, where's my place? What's my purpose? And how do I learn what's coming up next so that I can be involved and pray for what's coming up next? Because the day is surely drawing near. What a beautiful day that'll be. Amen.